Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to worship this morning at First Church of New Knoxville. We'd also like to extend a welcome to our radio listeners, and if you're a guest joining us this morning, we are glad that you are here. We'd also like to thank and welcome uh, Ms. Lily Brodigam for from New Bremen. It's wonderful to have you back again with us this morning. Well, as you can tell from the church decorations, Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow. We are encouraged. Uh, we encourage you to continue to pray for all the youth, volunteers, and staff this week as they teach about Jesus. You can still register today. Forms are available at the doors, and you can also register online at the church website, which is firstchurchnk.org. Also, Vacation Bible School cookies can be dropped off at the church basement kitchen starting today or in the ministry center during the daytime. And I believe Pastor Joel mentioned that if there's extra cookies or leftovers, they'll get those get delivered to you. Care of your attention? Okay, very good. <laughs> um, the blue jug is also on the steps for the rest of June. Uh, donations will go to All Glaze County EMA CERT team and will help local residents with disaster aid and cleanup. And also next Sunday being Father's Day, the Columbus Manicore German Choir will be here at First Church to perform a concert as part of the First on the Moon celebration happening in All Glaze County. The concert begins at 2 p.m. On the morning, several members of the choir will also be with us to sing during church. So hopefully we'll have a good turnout for that, that concert. Now, if you will uh, stand with me, if you're able, and join with the morning call to worship, which is taken from Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with the two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And now if you will open your blue hymnals to number 262, Holy, Holy, Holy.
moment and greet your neighbor while the children come forward for the children's chat with Mrs. Maria Lambers. Good morning. How are you guys today? Are you enjoying your summer? Are you ready for this week? I am so excited about this week. I got my classroom all decorated. We are good to go. All right. So make sure y'all get a good night's sleep. Eat a good breakfast tomorrow morning because we are ready to go for VBS. Okay. We're going to go into the wild. But that's not what I'm talking about today. Today we're talking about something called the Trinity. Have you ever heard that word before? No, you've never heard of the Trinity. Hmm. How about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Have you ever heard of them? Yeah. Okay. Now, the Trinity is kind of, well, it's kind of really hard to understand. Even for grown-ups, the Trinity is hard to understand. Because how can the Father, the Son... And the Holy Spirit all be one thing when, when they are three separate things. So I brought with me something here today. What do I have? An egg. Now, I hard-boiled this egg. What does my egg have on the outside of it? Shell. A shell, right? It has a shell. So I'm going to take the shell off because that is one part of our egg, right? Yeah. All right, hold on. At least it's, it's peeling pretty easily today. You never know about eggs. Sometimes I rip my eggs. Yep. All right. So the shell is one part of our egg, right? Yes. Now I'm going to cut our egg in half. Okay. okay. Now, how many parts are in here? Two. Two. We have the whites and we have the yellows, right? So our egg has three parts. The shell the whites, and the yellow, like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's one egg, right? But it has three parts. Mm -hmm. So, sometimes when we have an illustration like our egg, that kind of helps us understand. Now, I I need three volunteers. Okay, one, two, Evan, will you help me? All right, I need you three to come stand up right here in front of me, okay, side by side. Up here, Evan. All right, make sure your shoulders are touching, okay? Now, together, you look like one unit, right? But you are three separate people. Like the Trinity is one unit, it's... The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're all alive, 
just like you three are all alive. Okay, so that is another illustration to kind of try to help us understand how this trinity works. Okay, all right, thank you. Have a seat again real quick. All right, so the nice thing about this picture of you three standing up here is that, like I said, you're alive. You're living, okay? Our egg here is not living, okay? It's not living, but... God is alive, just like the three of you were alive, and you were part of that group of three, okay? Jesus can be our Savior and our friend. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and gives us life. And we know that our Father, our Heavenly Father, loves us so much. So that helps us to understand that Trinity is the three who are one, okay? And even some grown-ups don't get this. So it's okay if you don't totally get it, because I don't totally get it. But it tells us in the Bible that it's true. So we believe that there is God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are part of the Trinity, okay? So let's pray about that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these children and their eagerness to participate and to learn Be with us and open our minds so that we can more deeply understand the Trinity and what it means to each one of us. Let us get ready for this week as we are ready for an awesome week of Vacation Bible School. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lost in our service in the last week. First-class senior West Point cadet Christopher J. Morgan, 22, from West Orange, New Jersey. At Fort Irwin, California, Staff Sergeant David W. Gallagher, 51, from Las Vegas, Nevada. In Maryland, Second Lieutenant Richard Collins III, 23, from Chesapeake, Virginia. In Nogales, Arizona, Private First Class Stephen Hodges, 20, from Menifee, California. And in Mississippi, Hospitalman Apprentice Brandon S. Thomas, 19, from New Carlisle, Ohio. Good morning. Before we go to prayer this morning, I just want to reiterate just how excited we are as a church for VBS this week. Uh, I think the stage just shows it, right, <laughs> by, just by itself up here. I want to just thank Tori and, and Mindy and all the, the help that Tori's had this past couple weeks from the youth to put this all together. They've really done a great job. If you haven't seen the rest of the church, uh, the ministry center is decorated as well. The social room downstairs has a tree growing in the middle of it. It's fantastic. And so um, it's just a great way. It's just a little visual to get you all excited about VBS this week as well. And so I hope you all are are planning to join us this week, whether you got bringing your kids here or or willing to help out or bake cookies and bring them. There's just VBS is a, a really a community wide event and it takes a whole community to put it on. And so I want to say thank you to those who are already committed to be here to help. Uh, thank you to those who are signed up to come. And, and I want to encourage you, if you're not able to physically be here, 
to continue to pray for us uh, and pray for us during the week, especially Monday mornings from 9 to 1130, uh, because uh, we, we really desire your prayers uh, for us as we put this on, but also for the children that will be here, that they will hear the gospel message and receive it with, with, with grateful hearts. Um, and, and that's why we do what we do here at this church. So uh, let's, let's go to the Lord and, and continue that mindset as we go to him in prayer. Lord, you are good, and you are a wonderful, uh, gracious, uh, ever-loving, ever-holy, ever-righteous God. And we are grateful that we can come here this day and, and lift up your name in praise. Lord, it's exciting to see the decorations around the church. It's exciting because it means that VBS is here in the months of planning that have gone into this are about to come to fruition. And, and we do pray, Lord, for a great week. We pray for uh, safety and, and uh, great times for the, the children and the teachers and the helpers that will be here. Lord, we pray that your gospel would be proclaimed and received with gladness. Uh, we thank you for the, uh, the joy that we get to experience during VBS, through the music, the crafts, the games, even the snacks, Lord. Uh, thank you that, that those things just bring us together and create an atmosphere where we can share the good news with, with young people as well as, Lord, remind ourselves of the hope we have in you. And so I pray for this week. I pray that it would go smoothly, and I pray that you would be glorified. And I thank you that we can partner with the, the Methodist Church here in town in order to uh, put this on together, truly as a community VBS in that way. And so we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and pray that you would be glorified in it. Lord, we also continue to pray for our farmers in our communities. I know with the, the weather we've had this spring, it's been very difficult for them. Uh, I know some of them were able to get in the fields this week, and we praise you and thank you for that. Uh, others may still, be, uh, still have work ahead of them, and so we continue to lift them up and pray, Lord, that you would keep them safe and help them to get their, their crop in, Lord, uh, during this planting season. Lord, we uh, also acknowledge the many, many needs that are on our own hearts that are represented in our bulletin and that we carry with us in here this morning. And those, Lord, that for those that are listening on the radio, any, any burdens or any concerns that they have, Lord, uh, we acknowledge those to you as well and ask in all of these things that your will would be done. Lord, we, it may not be what we expect or what we want, but we trust and know that your will is what's best for us. And so we lift all these things up to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. Our offering this morning goes to support the radio ministry here at First Church.
I would like to invite those who are able to remain standing. Our scripture uh, with this morning, we have three different scripture readings. The first is from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then from John 16, verses 13 through 15. But then he, the spirit of truth, comes. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And then from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Holy of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Let's pray together. Father, we praise your name this morning. Uh, we praise it through our, our prayers. We, we worship you through song and through music. Uh, and, and we come to you now as we open your word to continue with a, a, a worshipful mindset as we study what your word has to say about who you are and the nature of your, uh, that you are a triune God, one God and three persons that we worship this morning. Lord, I do ask that you'd open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. Help us, Lord, to not just understand the answer to this question in a in a intellectual way, uh, but Lord, help us to take what we learn today and apply it to our lives and, and allow it to, to sink into the depths of our heart. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Maria, I do have to th- say I thank you for your children's chat. Um, I loved how you the, the honesty that you ended uh, the, t- the time with uh, talking about how it's, it's the Trinity is a very difficult thing to understand, even for adults, even for pastors, even for theologians. It's something that that God's people have been studying and thinking about and talking about for thousands of years and, and trying to understand it is a very difficult thing because it, in, a, in one sense kind of goes beyond our under our understanding one god and three persons but then he also said it but you but you ended your children's chat by saying god's word reveals it to us and so therefore even though we don't necessarily understand it we still trust it and that's really a, a great a great statement a great way to to, re, to to focus our minds as we begin to talk about the trinity this morning because it is a very difficult thing for us to understand there's a lot of things in scripture that are sometimes difficult to understand. In the New Testament, they're often referred to as mysteries, like the mysteries of the faith. Paul talks about how the gospel is a mystery, not, not because we don't get it or not because we can't understand it, but because it's something that, that God has to reveal to us for us to really get, right? It's something that God makes known to us. It's not something we would come up with from our own human logic or understanding. It's something that God reveals and therefore we must trust, even if we don't quite get it all of the time. 
so the gospel's like that. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 that the love that a husband and a wife have for each other is a reflection of the love that Christ has for his church. And Paul says that that in itself is a mystery, the love that God has for us. And so, in a sense, the Trinity is also a mystery. It's something that is very difficult to, in one sense, wrap our minds around. How can one God be three persons? How can three persons be one God? It's, it's not easy to understand, yet God, throughout Scripture, reveals it to us in His Word. Uh, we have three Scripture passages today, uh, not even thinking about the fact that Trinity means three and one. It just happened to be that way. But uh, Because there's not really one perfect scripture passage that we can point to that says, here's what the Trinity is and spells it out for us. Uh, the Trinity is, is, is testified to throughout scripture. We see in the old and the new testaments as God continues to reveal himself to his people. Uh, yet it was, it's very hard to pinpoint just one specific passage that we can point to. And so we're going to be looking at a lot of them today. I'm going to remind you, like I did last week, we have that, the Bible app, uh, event. Uh, we try to do that every week that has the discussion questions in it, the scripture references, uh, as well as additional scripture passages. There are a ton in there for this week because there's just so much different, so many different things that we can point to. And so, uh, by no means will I be able to read them all for you this morning during the sermon. So if you are interested and want to study more, that is a great way to do it, is to, to look up that, that event and, and look at the scripture passages that are listed there. Uh, the Trinity being hard to understand is, is often led to misconceptions about who God is throughout world history and throughout Christian history itself. In fact, Christians have often been on the kind of the, the, the negative side of some debates from, from other world religions because they, they view us as either too exclusive or too inclusive when it comes to how we view God. For, for pluralists, people believe that there, for people that believe there's a multitude of gods, they look at Christianity and say, how can you believe that there's only just one? Right? How can you say there's only one God out there? Right? That's the, the argument that they push against Christians. But for others that are, that are strictly monotheistic, believe in one God and one God only, like Muslims or Jews, they look at Christians in the, under, in the doctrine of the Trinity and think, you're polytheists, right? You believe in three gods, not just one. And so, so Christians kind of, in a sense, throughout history, the history of the church have gotten it from both sides because the doctrine of the Trinity is difficult to understand, especially for uh, people outside of the Christian faith. Even within the church, there's been a confusion of, of the roles of the persons within the Trinity itself. Uh, different groups throughout church history have emphasized too much of one person in the Trinity at the expense of the others. Or, or the belief uh, that God is really just one. He just takes turns being the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. Uh, that, that God really isn't three persons, but he just, he just switches as the occasion needs. Uh, again, that is de-emphasizing the, the reality of the Trinity as it's been revealed to us in his word. And so that's why we need to have conversations like this, right? We need to talk about theology. We need to talk about the Trinity because having good theological grounding, having language to talk about the things that we believe will help us to stay grounded in Scripture, Stay grounded in God and, and as he's revealed himself to us in his word. And, and so that's why it's important to do this. And throughout history, God's people have come together and, and, and formed creeds to help kind of keep us on the right track. That's why we have things like the Apostles' Creed 
Or later on, there was the Nicene Creed, which really emphasized the, the Trinity, what we're talking about here, the, the distinction between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even the word Trinity in itself is not found in Scripture, but the teaching is still there. As we talked about at the beginning with, with it being uh, a mystery, the Trinity is something that's, that's been revealed to us in Scripture, not something that we just come up with on our own. But we do need words to help us to accurately convey the truth that we find in Scripture. And so Trinity is one of those words. Right? We, we, we have a word to help us understand what we know about God in Scripture. And Trinity is actually uh, a word that was created for this express purpose. It's, it's the combination of, it's, it's the tri-unity. Tri meaning three, obviously. Unity mean one. And so Trinity is, is the tri-unity. Three gods, one God, and three persons. Don't want to mix that up too many more times in the sermon here today. And so that's what I want to uh, dig into a little bit more today. But not just, I want to talk about how we worship one God and three persons and, and what that means for us as we relate to God, but also what it means for us in terms of our salvation and how God redeems us distinctly as, as the triune God. And so we see clearly in Scripture that there is one God uh, and one God only. There's a, the Old Testament is very clear on this. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, there is uh, what is known as the Shema, this great statement of, of Israel's faith. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. There is no other, right? And even in the first two commandments in Exodus chapter 20, right, we see uh, this, this uh, idea of one God being emphasized over and over again. You shall have no other. Uh, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no others before me, right? That's what... Uh, how the, the Ten Commandments start. This emphasis on, on one God and one God only. It's not that He's the greatest of, of many gods, but He is the only one true God. We see that in the, in the prophets where uh, passages like Isaiah chapter 44, uh, the prophet talks about how these idols are, that people worship are really worthless. You take a, a chunk of wood or a chunk of stone and you carve a, an idol out of it and then you bow down and worship what your, your hands have just made, right? And, and talking about the, the almost silliness or ridiculousness of that. You know, you take a piece of wood, it says you take half of the wood and you throw it in the fire to bake bread and to heat your house, and you take the other half and make a god out of it, right? That, that just is, is strange, and, and, and from a Christian perspective, we know that those idols are, are nothing. They are, are, are human-created things. And so, and so the testimony of the Old Testament is very clear that there is only one God, and even the New Testament picks up on that as well. In James chapter 1, 29, uh, James reminds us that even the demons believe there is only one God, right? And they shudder, right? Even, there's, even the enemy believes there is only one God, and he's terrified. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, Paul also reminds us there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the person, Jesus Christ. And so we worship one God, and that is clear from, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There is only one God, the one true God of this universe. But that one God exists in three persons. And this is where the Trinity comes in. This is where the rubber hits the road when we talk about this idea. One God exists as three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each of them are fully God, not part God, but fully God. They share certain divine characteristics. And, and so what is true of 
of God is true of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But yet each of them are distinct from one another. The Bible describes each in relationship to one to the other. And so, uh, for example, it says that the Father sent the Son. Right? The Father didn't send Himself. He sent the Son. The Son is obedient to the Father. The Holy Spirit will teach the disciples what the Son has revealed to Him. You see, like they're, they're in relationship with one another, yet they are one. Everything the Father has belongs to the Son, Jesus says. We see this at several times throughout the New Testament. For example, all three persons of the Trinity are present at Jesus' baptism. Jesus is being baptized. The, the heavens open up and, and the voice of the Father speaks down from heaven as the, as the Holy Spirit descends and lands on Jesus in the form of a dove. Right there, there's a picture of all three members of the Trinity together as one. And we see this in the passage you, we, we heard read earlier from Acts chapter 1. Jesus, before he ascends to be with the Father in heaven, says, instructs the disciples to wait upon the gift that, they, that the Father had promised them, the gift being the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit, tells the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, that the Father has promised. Again, all three persons working together as one. And so there are three persons in the Trinity. There's God the Father. And in a sense, this is uh, practically a given Right. Any talk of religion in general or Christianity in particular begins with the idea of God as creator. Right. Genesis 1, 1 in the beginning, God. Right. We don't explain where God comes from. It's just assumed that God is there. Right. That is the assumption at the beginning of Scripture that God is and always has been. Right. And the Apostles Creed begins with, I believe in God, the father, creator of heaven and earth. But then we also have God the Son. The clear teaching of the New Testament is that Jesus Christ is God the Son incarnate. He is God in the flesh who came to dwell among his people. In John chapter 1, we see this parallel to Genesis chapter 1, right? In Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. The Word in a reference to Jesus. So God himself, so Jesus himself was God himself, but he's also with God in the beginning. Always has been, always will be. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the author there tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of God. That Jesus is a, is, is a is, is, if we want to know who what God is like, if we want to know what the Father is like, all we have to do is look at the Son. And of course, there's Philippians chapter 2. Where Jesus, the great Christ hymn, which reminds us that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not even consider equality with God something to be grasped. So God the Father is fully God. God the Son is fully God. And God the Holy Spirit is fully God as well. While the New Testament is not as explicit about the Holy Spirit as it is with the Son, the Bible does make the case for the divinity of the Holy Spirit. There are times in the New Testament where, where the Holy Spirit is, is used interchangeably with God. For example, in Acts chapter 5. The Holy Spirit is often given the same characteristics of God. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. The Holy Spirit in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In Psalm 139 it says that the Spirit is everywhere. He's omnipresent like God is. And so we have God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each of them fully God, 
and each of them distinct from one another. And, and we can see that most clearly in salvation. And that's what I want to take a moment to talk with you about today. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Each person of the Trinity plays a role in our salvation. And, and, and it, gives, it paints a beautiful picture of what that means for us to be forgiven and saved by this triune God. 1 Peter chapter 1 first says that we are chosen by God the Father. God decreed from the beginning that he would save his people, even though they sinned and rebelled against him. God chose to save us. He knew that before he even created the world, that sin would come and disrupt his creation, that would break his creation. And yet he planned to do something about it. It didn't surprise God. It didn't ruin his plan because according to his foreknowledge, he chose to save us in spite of our sin. And that foreknowledge, our election isn't based on anything we have done, but it's based on his grace alone, his sovereign choice. In Ephesians chapter one, it says that that God predestined us to be saved in accordance with his good pleasure and will. Not based on our good works or not based on on any sort of decision we make, but based on God's decision to save us. <coughs> Excuse me. And so God chooses to, to rescue us, to bring us back to himself. And he does it through the work of the Holy Spirit, sanctifying us, to bring us into relationship with him. The Holy Spirit softens a person's heart and draws them to faith in Christ. Right? That's the, that inner call of the gospel, that, that connection that, that God pulls on our hearts and, and, and prompts us to trust in him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in an individual heart. And the Holy Spirit continues to play a role in the life of the believer as well, beyond salvation. He helps us understand, interpret, and apply Scripture. That's what that John 16 passage was all about. He is the, the Spirit of truth who helps us to remember the teachings of Jesus and helps us to apply them to our lives. As we read Scripture, as we dig into God's Word, it's the Holy Spirit that prompts us and helps us to understand And it's also important to remember that the Holy Spirit will not reveal a, a new teaching to us as the Holy Spirit helps us to understand Scripture and, and, and grow in maturity in our faith. What he teaches us will always be in line with what God has already made known to us in Scripture. The Spirit isn't doing something new, as, as John chapter 16 says. He's just revealing what the Son has made known to us. And the Holy Spirit will always glorify the Son just as the Son always glorifies the Father. The three of them working together in perfect harmony and unity to uh, help us know and be in a relationship with God. And finally, there's Jesus being, having been sprinkled with his blood. Jesus, the Son of God incarnate, came to rescue us, to redeem a people for himself. It was his death and resurrection that brings us redemption and new life. In Romans chapter 3, it teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet all have been redeemed and made new by that one sacrifice through Christ. I want to read this one for you, beginning of verse 22. It says, The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in him 
In his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. See, that's what it's all about. Jesus, perfectly obedient to the Father, laid down his life for us so that we could be redeemed. As humans, we could never earn our way back to God. Our debt, our sin was too great. It was of infinite worth, and so we could never pay it back in our finite abilities. But Christ, being the Son of God himself, being God incarnate, he came and laid down his life to pay that debt for us, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so God justified us, yet remained just himself. All we do is respond by faith, respond to that prompting of the Holy Spirit as He works in our hearts to help us to to know and understand what it means to trust in God. And that's important for us to understand, especially when it comes to things like evangelism and prayer. You know, if God, if salvation is all about God's work through and through, the Father choosing to to love us, to redeem us, the, the Son coming and laying down His life for us, the Spirit prompting us in our hearts to, to trust in Him, then, then that takes the pressure off of me and off of you to then share that good news with others. Because it's not about me saving anyone. It's not about you saving anyone by your words. It's about God saving people. It's about His work in a person's life. Now, He may use you. He may use me to save that person. He may choose to use the words that you say and the and the attitude of your life as a witness to God's grace and mercy, right? And that may prompt another person to trust, but it is ultimately God who saves. And so that takes the pressure off of us. All we have to do is, is point people to Christ and say, this is what God has done for me, and you can experience that for yourself as well. Ultimately, it's about God working. And so that frees us up to be bold and, and share our faith because we know that God is sovereign and he will work in and through that. And it also reminds us of the importance of prayer. The Trinity helps us to better understand the power and the purpose of prayer because, because all, again, all three persons are at work in the Trinity. If the Holy Spirit truly is fully God and He is here with us, then we don't have to go anywhere else to pray. We don't have to you, go through another person to pray. We have access to God through His Spirit right here, right now, because He is living in us. And we know that our prayers are heard because Jesus, the one mediator between God and man, is now ascended in heaven and seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us, Scripture says. Again, fully God laying down his life in order to give us access to the Father. And we know that the Father hears us and he cares about us and he loves us because he sent his Son. He has given us his Holy Spirit so that we may know him and be in relationship with him. And so having a better understanding of the Trinity really opens up and helps us to understand uh, the power and the purpose of prayer at a greater level as well. I just want to encourage you today. There was a, a lot that we just kind of went through. I did my best to try to answer a question that theologians have been dating for, debating for 2,000 years in a 20-minute sermon. And it probably didn't do it justice. But what I want you to take away from today is, is knowing that we worship a God that is bigger and greater and more glorious than, than we can wrap our minds around. And that he has made himself known to us through his son, Jesus Christ, through the presence of his Holy Spirit here and now. And so we can know him, even if we don't fully understand. We can know and trust and have faith in him because he has made himself known to us 
through his word. And that means that we can have faith in him, that we can be redeemed and saved and brought into relationship with him, and we can share that good news with others. And so I want you to, I want you to take that to heart, that you can have confidence in your salvation as long as, as you put your faith in Christ. Know that he has done this for you. And know that you can go and share that good news with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, because God has done that for them as well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for thank you for revealing yourself in this way, that you are one God in three persons. And we thank you that you have made yourself known to us. I pray that we would take to heart what we've talked about today. And Lord, if, if nothing else, just appreciate and, and be in awe of your glorious majesty and, and that you have chosen to, to make yourself known to us. We thank you for that and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we prepare to set our hearts and our minds, uh, continue to set our hearts and minds on the Lord uh, for communion, I invite you to stand and let's sing uh, the first verse of number 259, Breathe on Me, Breath of God. prepare our hearts and minds to share in communion today. Uh, we're reminded also that today is the day of Pentecost, that we celebrate, we remember the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that, he is, that, that God the Father has sent to us through his Son so that we can be in a relationship with him and know him, that God's Spirit is present with us here in this place. And as we, as we take communion, it's a, it's a reminder of that fellowship, that intimacy that we can have with God. He invites us to the table He invites us to share this bread and this juice with him as a reminder of the price that that God the Son paid for us on the cross. Jesus laid down his life so that we could be forgiven. His body was broken just as this bread is broken. His blood was shed just as this juice is poured out for us as a a physical reminder of that spiritual reality of of the the lengths that, that our triune God has gone to redeem us and to save us. The Father has made this known to us. He has sent his Son to redeem us as a people for himself, and he has now given us his Spirit so that we can be in a relationship with him and know him. What a wonderful thing to remember and reflect on as we take communion together. We're also reminded that we don't deserve it, that we have, there is no way we can earn this for ourselves, but God has made it known to us. He has saved us uh, according to his will, and so we praise his name for this. And so as you take this to this morning, I encourage you to, to reflect on the fact that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, myself included, that all of us fall short of God's glory. And yet we can be thankful and praise him all the more because he has chosen to save us through Christ. And that's what this represents. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that we can share this 
reminder of your body and your blood. Uh, Jesus, you died on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven. Father, you have done this for us so that we can be brought once again into a relationship with you through your Holy Spirit. And I pray now as we take this to ourselves, that we, as, we, as we consume these elements, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit and, and, and help us to live anew for you each day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Paul wrote, I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Messiah, take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
This is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is shed for you, a new covenant that was made in his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's pray together. Lord God, we worship you this morning and thank you that you are our Savior, that you have redeemed us for yourself, and that you ask us to now live for you in this world. We ask for the, the, that you would fill us with the presence of your Holy Spirit so that we can go from this place and serve you and live in, in, in faithful obedience to you in everything we do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service today, I invite you to stand if you're able and sing number 64, All Creatures of Our God and King. We'll sing the first and the fifth verses. First and fifth. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.